Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Just want to uh, let you guys know that I said yes this year. I'm running with Team World Vision. So you'll see me out there on Saturday mornings. We'll be running together, and I hope that you'll say yes and stick around at the end of this service to hear more. And um, I just, I'm just so appreciative with our of our partnership with World Vision. And there's this just a unique thing about our church and the community that we live in that somehow God would use this family to this partnership of exercise, of running, of faith, to say, I, don't, I, I can't do it, but I'll say yes, and, and the community that comes from saying yes, too. The friendships that are birthed because you say yes, and you sweat together, and you struggle together, and you get up early Saturday mornings together, and then you also cheer for each other and root for each other, and it's not about time, it's not about, we're not competing, It's all about the cause. It's all about living beyond ourselves for the sake of others. And so I hope that that all of you will stay after. So not just a few of you. She said the first couple of rows. I hope you don't leave your seat. I hope that you'll stick around and find out more. And uh, I think one one of the litmus tests of the spiritual life is this word, willing. Are you willing? I'm not asking you to say yes. Are you willing, though, to listen? Are you willing to possibly say yes? Are you willing to stay in your seat and stick around? Are you willing to trust God to say, I, there's, I can't do it, but God, I'm going to trust you? And so I hope you'll stick around for that. I think this message that I'm going to give here in the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, I was thinking about it. If I had one message, if I was like, on my deathbed, right? And like, I, I got one sermon. Sometimes as pastor, I was just with my pastor's round table. Sometimes you got, get into these, if you only had one message to preach, man, what would it be? This is it right here. You're going to get it today. I'm not, I, hope, I, I hope I don't die after this sermon. I, 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 but I, I, and the reason I would give this message is because of the stakes are high, uh, the brokenness in our world that all of us see, all of us experience, all of us, um, it's part of our story. There's not a person in this room that's, that's not broken. I can, I can put on this nice jacket, clean up, but I got, I got brokenness in my life. And where I would be today, I have no idea without a friendship with Christ, with God. And today I'm going to give you an opportunity to begin a friendship with God. Today I'm going to give you an opportunity to know God personally. We're, this is the last piece of this series. We, 
have been in called Explore God. And, and today's message is, can I, can I actually know God, the creator of the universe? Can I know him personally? So I have a very dear friend. Many of you have met him. His name's Steve. We've known each other since elementary school. We were best of friends in college. He planted two or three churches, was a pastor, and he would say if he were here today, I, I quit the ministry because I was a terrible pastor. I, I just wasn't, I wasn't any good at it. And uh, so he decided to go into business and hit a grand slam, and now he's a venture capitalist. And he lives in Solana Beach, and, uh, and we're still, still very, very close friends. For the last three years, Steve has said this to me. I can't wait for you to meet Bill. He lives just across the street and three houses down. When you get to know Bill, you're going to love him. He's just become one of my dearest friends. And I want you to meet Bill. You are going to love him. He's been telling me this for the last three years. I don't know if you have people in your life that you're just, you love so much, you're so close to, and you're like, you actually want your family, your friends to meet that person. Well, two weeks ago, I got to meet Bill. I got to play golf with Bill at this his golf club, not mine, Rancho Santa Fe Golf Club down in San Diego area. And I pull up to the golf course with my friend Steve and his son Jonathan, and, uh, and Bill comes out. And this guy is so warm, so kind, so thoughtful. Hey, what, what, what can I get for you? Hey, do you need, you need a sleeve of balls? What do, you, what, what do you need? You need a marker? What do you, hey, man, I am so excited to meet you. Steve's told me so much about you to me, and I'm so glad you said yes and, and that we could have, have some time together on the golf course. And for 18 holes, we walked, and I felt like I, I made a new friend. This guy was interested in my life. He was interested in my family. He was interested in my career, my ministry, my life. And for three and a half, four hours, I got to walk next to and alongside and laugh and tease and share and become friends with this guy, Bill. And then he goes, hey, can I treat you to lunch? I'm like, oh, no, no, you don't have to. No, let's have lunch together. Treats me to lunch. We keep talking. We're talking about, we're talking about everything. It's just like, you know how sometimes you just like, you make a fast friend? Have you, did you, have you ever done that? You ever made a, this was it. It was like, oh, my gosh. And then we're sitting there in the clubhouse after. Hey, John, what, what are you doing tonight? I go, well, I'm with Steve, so whatever you go. Hey, you guys got to come over to my house. I got some good wine, man. We're going to sit outside, have a good wine. Get, I want you to meet my wife. All right, and Steve, can we do it? Yeah. So here I am. Now I'm at Bill's house and drinking some good red wine, getting to know each other, getting to know his wife, his family. 
they're interested. Tell me, tell us more about Ocean Hills. Tell us more about your ministry. And then I, I asked him some questions, and, and uh, a week later, he follows up and just said, hey, I know, I, I know you wanted some information about a certain person. Just wanted to follow up, and man, it was so. Now, I got to tell you, I was just like, wow. Steve's saying, if you knew Bill, when you meet him and you know him, you are going to love him. He was right. He was dead on. And today, I want to say to you, if you knew Jesus, you'd love him. And I'm going to be so bold as to say this to you this morning. If you don't love Jesus, you don't, you don't, you don't really know him. You don't. You might think you know him, but you don't know him if you don't love him. Because if, if you knew him, you will love him. And so I want to have you open your Bibles if you brought one. John chapter 17. Verse 3, this verse lets us in to the heart of God. God wants to be known. He wants to be known, and he wants to know you personally. His dream has always been to have an authentic, personal, close friendship with every one of us, including you. And I want to say, when you get to know him, you're gonna, your life's going to change. You're going to love him. John 17, verse 3, Jesus said this, this is eternal life, that they may, what's the word? Know. That they may know you, the only true God, the one you've sent. Jesus Christ, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, the one you sent, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is knowing God personally, knowing God. It's not just something that happens after you die. It happens here, now. Not there, here. We sometimes in the church, are like, oh, I die, I get my hell insurance, I'm out, you know, I want to go to heaven. But Jesus said that eternal life isn't just about the future. We can have it now. It's not just about then and there, but here and now. And it's interesting the word that's used, know, you know, for some of you that don't know, the Bible, the New Testament was written actually in the Greek language, and so it's translated into English. And that word is gnosko, which means to know a person through a direct personal experience. It isn't just knowing about God or being acquainted with God or a fan of God, but it's a deep, meaningful, ongoing, authentic personal friendship. That's what it means. How many of you know the name 
Taylor Swift. We got any Swifties in the crowd? Okay. I think we might have. Oh, there you go. You got. You know who that is? Now, I want to know how many of you, if she walked in the room, would go, Dr. Thrash, how are you, brother? How many of you she would recognize? Like, you know her. Now, you know about her. If you know anything, you know she just became a B billionaire. She's got this huge tour going on that uh, is feels like it's changing our world. And all of us, unless you've got your head in the sand, would say, oh, I know, I know who Taylor Swift is. I know about her. But you don't know her, right? You know some facts about her, but you don't know her. Now let's press a little deeper. How many of you know the comedian Jeff Dunham? Anybody know that name? Here, let's throw that up. Anybody, anybody recognize that person? Yeah, just maybe a handful of you. I officiated his wedding. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Jeff Dunham. When he, he, he actually got me backstage to one of his performances, concerts, got to hang out with him. If he walked in the room today, he would say, I remember you. You're the guy who officiated my wedding. But we're not friends. We're nod buddies. Hey, Jeff, I saw, hey, Jeff, good to see you. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him and his wife right now, his family, his tour. I don't know what his struggles are. I don't really know him. I mean, I, again, I, I, could, I could, you know, tell you a little bit about him. I can tell you that I'm a fan. I'm for him, not against him. Don't have bad thoughts about it, about him. But I don't really know Jeff as a personal close friend. And when Jesus talks about knowing God personally, he's not talking about being a nod buddy. Hey, God, foxhole faith. God, help me, please, right now. And then you move on with your life. Hey, God. Knowing God. Him personally. John Orpberg, I'm, I'm a fan of his, written so many books that have shaped my faith and my life. He writes this. He says that Jesus defined eternal life just once. And it was in John chapter 17, verse 3, the verse that we have. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. He says this. The kind of knowing God that is eternal life is an interactive relationship, not just an affirmation of certain facts about God. And once we begin the transformative journey, that's a key phrase, by the way. Some of you have been in church for 40 years, and your version of following Jesus has not transformed your life. Knowing God personally will change who you are from the inside out, your attitude, your actions, the way you are either stingy or you're generous. You're unforgiving and bitter and resentful or you're generous and forgiving and living in freedom. And I could go on and on, but I love how Orpberg says, once we begin the transformative journey of truly knowing God, 
we can start to experience his presence, favor, and resurrection power right here on this earth in the details, tasks, and challenges of daily, ordinary life. God's dream has always been to know you, to know me, to know us personally. And now because of Jesus, God is accessible, God is approachable. But there's one big problem. If you're familiar with scripture, there's one big problem. All of us in this room, including myself, have a disease. Did you know that? You have a spiritual disease. I'm not going to say it was your fault. You're born with it. It's a disease that in spiritual language, in churchy language, it's called sin. It's all about selfishness, all about me. Self-absorbed, self-promoting, self-centered, self-indulgent, self-seeking, self-righteous. That's the disease that you have and I have. That's what the Bible says, Isaiah 59, verse 2. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. It's your sins, it's your selfishness that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. The relationship's broken. It's strained. It needs repair. That's what the Bible teaches. That's the simple gospel that we sung about. Sin separates you and me from God. But rather than making you pay the price to repair that relationship, God initiated by paying the price, by sending his son, Jesus, into the world to die on the cross for, for the forgiveness of sins. That's the simple gospel. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. Don't need to keep doing it. He did it once. I didn't make up the spiritual laws or rules. God did. And the Bible says Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. Why? To bring you safely home to God. He wants you to come home. You're estranged, alienated, far from God, keeping him at a distance maybe. Maybe so busy, you're far from God. Well, the Bible says that he suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. And then in John's gospel, Jesus said this, 524, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Don't be confused right now. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. This is not a time to be confused. He said, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. This is such a simple message, but it's also mysterious. It's also like, whoa, what? 
is going on here? 2,000 years ago, a guy named Jesus died on the cross for my sins to bring me. Yes. And my prayer for each one of us this morning, that God would open up our eyes and give us faith to see and believe. That when we receive this gift of eternal life that Jesus offers, we become, we become a new person. And we're on a new journey. We have a new purpose in our life. We're being transformed and changed from the inside out where we can begin to love everyone always. And we begin to make sacrifices like saying yes to run a marathon, not because we want to go look at me, but because there are children that I will never, ever meet. And women and families that are suffering that I will never, ever meet, but because God is alive in my heart and is transforming me, I'm no longer living for me, myself, and I. I'm living for God and his glory and to bring heaven to earth for every person on the planet. And that's what happened. If that change and transformation is not happening, I'm going to be so bold to say, I don't know that you know God personally. I think you're playing religion. You're checking the box. You're, you're, you're going through the motions. My friend Steve, I was with him this Wednesday. He's actually speaking at a men's conference. 400 men are gathering. He goes, they asked me to speak. I'm not even a pastor anymore, but they asked me to speak. And this is what he said to me. He goes, I want to know. I want to know your thoughts on this. He goes, you know, as we talk and as I look at men that I know, he goes, there, there are men that I know that have been following Jesus for 25, 30, 40 years, and they're still so bitter, so angry, so greedy, so stingy. He goes, is that version of following Jesus work? I, I don't think so. He goes, I'm going to be speaking to a group of men that are like, oh, I'm already a follower of Jesus, but I'm filled with fear and anxiety and dot, 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 dot. That is not the life that Jesus invites us into. It changes us. Where would you be without Jesus in your life? Well, I'd be the same. Well, then maybe Jesus isn't in your life. What in your life does it take Jesus to explain? I wouldn't be this way except for, I, I, I wouldn't be married still unless Jesus was working in me and helping me be a man or a woman of commitment. I, I would, I'd be unemployed because uh, I, I used to be a shoplifter or something before. I'm, and, and, and he's changing. What, I don't know. What's the change? Why are you generous? It's because I trust God with my resources. I could say that for me. I didn't grow up in a family where it was modeled to give and be generous and give 10% of your income and more when you're asked. I wasn't raised that way. It takes Jesus to explain that in my life, in my family. That's why we do it. Not because we feel like it, it's because I'm following Jesus. Kirk Thompson, he said this, every one of us, every one of us, every one of us is looking for someone, looking for us with love and delight. Every one of us in this room is looking for someone looking for us 
Jesus is looking for you. Not with condemnation, not with judgment, not with disappointment, with love, with delight. Psalm 23, verse 6, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Jesus is pursuing you today with goodness. He wants good for your life, with unfailing love. That's what he's coming at you with today. He's chasing you. He's pursuing you right now in this moment, trying to get your attention to say, I care about you. I'm for you. I love you. I got a purpose for your life. And then John chapter 1, verse 12, Jesus made it so clear, but to all who believed him and accepted him, talking about Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, but a birth that comes from God. There's not a person in this room that, that couldn't say they have a birthday, right? You know your birthday? Everybody knows their birthday. Everybody in this room knows their physical birthday. But I wonder if there's some of you that have never had a spiritual birth. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about and John's talking about here. That we were made by God and for God. To have a spiritual birth is to then enter into that relationship and friendship with God, and this morning, I just have this vision of this being a maternity ward, a birth center, that there are people in this room that today you're going to be born spiritually, begin a friendship with God, or go, maybe you thought you had, you, you knew a lot about him. You, you, you have a, a Jeff Dunham relationship with God or a Taylor Swift relationship with God, but you don't have a personal friendship with God. And today, I just have this vision that, 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 that many of you today, is gonna, it's like, whoa, there might be more than twins that are birthed in this room today. I don't know what's happening, but I think that God brought you here to move you to a new place. All right. Many of you know I'm a grandpa. I have a, in a couple of weeks, he'll be two two-year-old grandson, his name's Parker. I had three different incidents with Parker this week. Parker was at my house. My daughter, Shannon, was carrying him. Just came over to say hi, and I went, Parker, it's Papa. Come in to give him a little hug and kiss. No. Stepped on my face. Came in for the kiss. No. No, Papa, no. I, I kept coming after him with goodness and unfailing love. No. That's some of you today spiritually. Jesus is coming after you, not to hurt you or harm you. He wants to help you, wants to save you, wants to rescue you, wants to give you purpose and meaning. No. Well, how's that working for you? I can't tell you. I feel like, and I feel like God, I don't know why. Maybe this is a whole nother sermon of listening to your life. 
you ever listen to your life like, isn't that strange that in the last two weeks, I've had like five conversations with people that are, no. I did a wedding last weekend, Montecito Country Club, and they asked me to stay for the blessing. So, you know, usually I finalize them, then I kind of sneak out. Can you stay and do the blessing? Well, okay. Well, that means I got to stay another hour and a half through cocktail hour and stuff. I'm happy to do it. Okay. So I'm sitting there by myself at this reception at the Montecito Club. This really handsome man, nice suit, goes, hey, you mind if I sit with you? I'm like, I'm here. I'm, yeah, come on. He goes, I'm by myself. Friends with the bride. She said, why don't you come? I said, okay. So I sit there, and for an hour and a half, this guy goes, I go, well, tell me your story. <laughs> you know, what, what, what am I going to say? Tell me your story. And this guy goes into, well, been kind of a big shot exec for NBC. He goes, I've slept with every hot chick in Hollywood. I blew up my 25-year marriage. I got two daughters that are in their early 20s that won't talk to me. I'm trying to figure out my life. He goes, you're the, you're, you're the guy that did the wedding. Like, you're the religious pastor guy, right? Like, you're a, you're a church. He goes, I, I'm Roman Catholic. I grew up Roman Catholic. I don't want anything to do with that guy. If you knew him, you'd love him. You don't know him. You're doing that. You don't know him. Don't know him. And that's what Carpenter did to me. But then, another day this week, I hear Shannon, my daughter, and Garrett and Parker out in our garden. And there's a place in our garden where the lizards hide. And I heard them talking, and, and, and it's on the wall like this. And, and, and little Parker's looking up there. So I come out, Parker, Papa, what are you doing? I'm back here. What are you doing? Hey, Parker, it's Papa. Can I join you? Hey, Parker. <laughs> Nothing. No turnaround, no hug. Love you too, Papa. Nothing. Into the lizards. Where do the lizards in your life. What are the lizards that you're chasing, you're looking for? They, they've distracted you. You're too busy for Papa. You ain't got time for Papa because you're, what is it? What is it that has you missing out on the greatest love? Your creator, your father is saying, I love you. I want to hang out with you. Let's hang out. Talk. What is that for you? What is that for you? All of us get caught up. We lose our way. We start chasing lizards. 
company for business. I'm trying to think of this phrase I heard. Um, I don't think I wrote it in my notes. I heard it from a guy that, yeah. So then here's the third story. Shannon comes in and says, hey, Dad, um, can you read the parka? You got time just to, to read the parka. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there on, my, on the couch, and I say, it was a good moment for me. I did not say, ah, I'm watching the game, sorry, another time. I did not do that. I said, of course. So Parker comes in and sits on my lap and leans back on my chest. And I said, read, you know. And I read this little kid's book, those cardboard books, you know, they're like five pages, you know. It's awesome. Again, we read it again. We read it again. There's little buttons you push that make little sounds. You guys got, you've seen those books. And we had this moment of relationship, connection, enjoying each other, knowing each other personally. That's the invitation today for you. I love how Casey said it. It's about responsiveness. Not, not about giving God the stiff arm or ignoring him because you're too busy, but leaning in, saying yes, saying yes to him. So let me wrap this up. It's about to get real. It's already been real, but it's about to get more real. I'm going to read some verses for you that, that I didn't make these up, didn't write these in my journal. This comes from God's word. So I'm going to let you deal with the collision that happens in your heart and mind as you hear these. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you openly declare, wait, I don't want to openly declare. I want to, it's private. No, no, no. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I don't want to openly... Bible says I have to openly declare. I have to be public with this. That's not all. Let's go to what, what, what about Jesus? That's the apostle Paul. What's Jesus say about this stuff? Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Stop. How many of you have prayed, Lord? How many of you have prayed, Lord? The Bible says, just because you prayed a prayer, Lord, doesn't mean you're a child of God. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. What's the will of God? To align yourself in relationship with him and to live out, let him transform your life. That's the will of God to make you into the likeness of Jesus. Listen to this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them, 
plainly. What's the word? I never knew you. I didn't know you. Personally, relation, friend. We weren't friends. I don't want to be that guy on that day. Let me just tell you that. I don't want to hear those words from Jesus when I die. Do you? And then here's another verse. He goes on. Matthew 10, verse 33. Jesus said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I'll acknowledge before my Father in heaven. No! I don't want to do it publicly. I want to be private. Jesus said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I'll acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Verse 33, but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. What's the meaning of that? Here's what it is. He's pursuing you with unfailing love, but God through Christ, will never force his way into your life. If you're doing this, or you're just too busy, he's not going to force himself. At some point, he's going to go, That's. it seems like that's. you don't want me to be part of your life. I'm just granting you the desire of your heart. You're saying, I don't want God in, I don't want to have a friendship with God. God's not going to force himself on you. He gives us the invitation the opportunity, but we have to respond. And the Bible says we respond publicly. And so I'm going to give you that invitation and that opportunity to do it today. I'm going to invite you to stand in front of your, if you, and, and I, I love it, Casey and I were talking about it. If you're unwilling to stand in this room to say, I, I want to make a commitment to become a friend of God, you, there's no way you're going to do it out there. You can't, if you can't stand and go, I'm, I'm part of God's family here. It's a safe place. I want to begin a relationship with God. I, I, or, or maybe I've known about God. I've been coming to church for 20 years, 30 years, and I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm not a follower. I haven't really made the commitment to say, I am going to surrender all and become the person God wants me to be. So here's the invitation. If you're here this morning and you know about God, you know you know about the Bible, you, you know about church, but you aren't sure you know God personally. But you want to make sure. We're going to invite you to stand here in this room right now. Right now. Stand up where you are. If you're not sure, just stand up right now. That's right. Just have the boldness to stand up where you are. You're not sure. This is your moment. If you know God as an acquaintance, you're not buddies. You're a fan, but you're not committed to that friendship with God. But right now you want to. I want you to stand publicly. Stand publicly right where you are. I want to make sure. I want to be a friend of God's. If you have been busy chasing lizards, money, sex, the Burning Man Cool Life, career success, your kids' success, the affirmation of somebody. But you're ready today to go, you know what? I'm going to live for an audience of one. Stand up right now.
Just stand up where you are. You're ready to know God personally and be his friend. Stand up. Now, just those of you that are seated. First of all, I want you to clap. I can't take credit for this idea, but we had a conversation, some of us this week, and here's those of you that are seated. Now you have the invitation. These people that are standing around you, you're going to take them to lunch today. You're going to treat them to lunch today, and you're going to share your story and listen to their spiritual story. So... If you're willing to do that, you go up and go stand next to somebody right now who's standing up saying, I'm going to go take this person to lunch. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is part of what it means to live a sacrificial life. We say we're a God family, are we? We say we're a God family. I don't want anybody standing by themselves in this auditorium. You go introduce yourself to someone and say, I'm treating you to lunch because that's the gospel. You're loved, you're forgiven, let's eat together. That's the gospel. I want you to raise your hand if you're standing in faith and nobody's going to take you to lunch right now because I want, I want to see who that is. Is there anybody standing? That, we got somebody right here who, who, needs, who needs a lunch partner. Right here. There we go. Anybody else standing that doesn't have a lunch buddy? Okay. Okay, now those of you that are still seating, it's time to clap again. Thank you. Thank you, people of God, for saying yes. Now, there are still some of you that are seated. I'm just, I'm going for it today. I just. I want you to stand if you're still seated and you're ready to say yes to finding out more about the team world vision and running the marathon you're still seated right now stand up you're gonna you're gonna stick around after to find out about this marathon stand up stand up you're not gonna like the next option so you better stand up for this one if you're a follower of Jesus if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't stood yet, here you go. You ready? Now I want you to stand up. Okay, hey, there's no way, there's no way in hell I'm running that marathon. Okay, guess what? Now you're gonna commit to write a check. You're you're gonna you're you are gonna commit. <laughs> you are gonna commit to give to Team World Vision to support the runners. You just give in a general way. We'll divvy it up between all the runners. You say, I'm going to write a check. Now, no, 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 There's still a few of you sitting. Here we go. This is it. Last time. Last chance. I love this one. I get it. No judgment. No shame. But I, I just want to say this is really a powerful morning. That, that, and and it, that responsiveness. Thank you, Jesus. It's his work in your lives that you're willing to say yes. That's grace at work. Okay, last group. Did you know that this church to function, you know what we need? There are people that show up here at 7.30 in the morning on Sunday to help set up children's 
area and the tents and the coffee. People go and get the coffee. You know, did you know that it's not airlifted here and just dropped here? Like there are actually unpaid people, volunteers that show up. And then after church, when you go home and have your nice lunch, we actually have to take it all down out there. And it's volunteers that do that. And if you're not standing today and you consider this your church, you go, oh, no, I'm part of this God family. And you're not willing to give to World Vision. You're not willing to run. You're not willing to take somebody alone. Are you willing to serve this family in an invisible, behind-the-scenes way? Say, I'm going to commit to that. I want you to stand right now. Just say, I'm making a commitment to serve the mission of Jesus right here, right now, sacrificially, once a month. That's all we need. Once a month, just say, I'm willing to serve the mission of Jesus once a month, whether it be in the early morning or staying after church to help take down. Stand up right now. Let's give a round of applause to those. Put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. I mean, this to me is is what churches beautiful picture of a Sunday gathering. It's not just, oh yeah, hey, I'll give you a C minus on your sermon and a, a, an A minus on the worship. It's, I'm responding, I'm saying yes. I wanna serve, I wanna have a friendship with you. This is it, there's a maternity ward in here, man. It's messy, but it's beautiful. Let me pray for us. Father, I proclaim your love. Your unfailing love is all over this room this morning. And I pray that your love would work itself out in every one of our lives, whether it be through beginning a friendship with you, whether it be uh, helping others grow in their relationship with you, whether it be running a marathon or a half marathon or giving generously and sacrificially to help people in the DR Congo get clean water and education and sanitation. Lord, right here, right now, we commit ourselves to you. And I pray your blessing over everyone here that's standing and everyone here that's sitting. I pray your favor and your blessing and the spirit of God to work in us as we walk out of here. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand and we're going to sing. I'm going to also invite the prayer team up because I recognize.